This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. episode of hip hop heads i am no sage along with novak and we love to discuss our favorite hip hop moments this time we brought a special guest dave my man my man with the jump shot my man from the three point range <laughs> welcome to the show man was good was good happy to be here love it love it um yeah, we're, we're going to dive into the topic in just a moment. But, you know, I would uh, love to plug your IG handle because you got some travels on there. You got some, <laughs> your shoe game is on point as you be posting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like shoe gaming since the longest. Uh, you know, previously, we were just talking sports, but like, yeah, like, so like Jordan, to me, the GOAT. So like, yeah, it's always about, you know, the, the shoes. So definitely that traveling, of course. So I, I could definitely like send that out. Uh, and I actually, you mentioned we went out to uh, Memphis, Nashville. We had a nice road trip. I haven't posted that. I even have, haven't posted like some Europe trips from like last year. So that's still pending. But yeah, my handle is uh, aim underscore high 23 H-I-G-H. So that's something I came up with just because, you know, that's all we should be aiming for, aiming high. So and then that 23, because that's all he did whenever he went up. So <laughs> <laughs> which 23? <laughs> oh, Chicago 23. <laughs> no, he's six now. He's six losses. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. MJ all the way. I respect that. So yeah, follow follow Dave at uh aim underscore high 23. You know what it is, you know what time it is. And yeah, man, like speaking of the road trips. This topic came up for me. I've been wanting to have you on the podcast for a while because um, we were like playing some tunes. Everybody took turns, you know, like uh, uh, casting their phone or whatnot. And then once once the phone came to your direction, you started playing some some Tupac. And then I wanted you to share this story because like, I feel like the Tupac conversation is kind of hard to approach because you could obviously approach in a lot of different ways, like what hasn't been said about the goat of the west coast arguably like you know we'll probably get into it like is he still alive what's the best song like you know like constant conversations what's the best movie but i i, I was really um i was really pulled into um when you said that you bought the thug life album volume one can, can you say a word about that? Because I, I remember, I think you said you bought it on CD, like, I think when you sort of didn't know what Tupac was about, I think, at that time. Well, I 
at that time I did. And like prior to that, like one thing about like Tupac is that like uh, exactly what he talked about as far as like the later Tupac, you know, and just, you know, like the, the like the thuggish of it, like kind of just the streets, like, you know, like what's going on. And me kind of like just being like first generation Mexican-American and kind of like just growing up in that sort of like neighborhood that you're hearing gunshots and things like that, having to move out of there and just certain situations and the killings, you know, like close by like North and Pulaski at the time in the early nineties through like 96. So, you know, like we would have to like walk around, like things would happen. You know, I had a, like, I was six, seven years old. I had like someone just go to my mom with a knife to her, like the neck, like for, for a chain, you know, and luckily she screamed and like the guy ran off, but like, just, you know, that's trauma. Like that's seven, eight years old, seeing something like that, you know? So I'm against all these things. That's what he's talking about. So like, to me, Tupac was just like, that's what he's about. Like, that's not what I like. So, I, you know, like I'm, I'm good, but like, that's at a younger age. And then once I started kind of like realizing how, like, like that's exactly what he's talking about. Like, because no one's doing anything about it. And like, that's what he had his own experiences on as well. So like, to me, I started realizing that's what he was about. He was just about preaching. Like he was just pretty much talking about the things that are happening that only like certain like people can see, but nobody else is doing anything about. So like, it was actually like my friend and I bought two CDs. It was Thug Life and Still I Rise. And it was between us, like, on who you, which one are you going to keep? And to me, I listened to Thug Life. I'm like, I'm keeping Thug Life, you know, like, like, just like the whole, like, album and just like what it was like messaging, just like the beats, the flow, like just the lyrics. And like, even with the team he was on, like, they, it was just jam after jam after jam. And like, I just fell in love with, with the album. And like, that's something that kind of like just stuck out to me and started like just pulling up everything and like just looking him up at the time, like downloading his music, you know, that's, you know, like in the beginning of like kind of like internet with like the AOL and stuff, the LifeWire and like just pulling up like, like just downloads. And that's kind of like what it was about. Like Thug Life became like that one first album that like I listened to and it was just packed with like exactly what's going on and what anyone can experience gang related or not. And that's exactly what it is, you know, like just a life form of the streets and what like the experiences, the, the homes, you know, like just all the things that, you know, like people don't really talk about like in that sort of way, especially the way he did it in that album, which was like different. And we were talking about this. I was like different from like his albums before. So that's kind of like what stuck out like with this album to me and like, and just being my first album, it was just like the perfect first album. And to me, like one of my favorites for sure of his. Bro. So I just loved everything you just said. Cause like every topic you kind of just dropped could easily be a podcast conversation, <laughs> but I, I want to just fast forward quickly to Thug Life Volume 1 because it came out in 94. And when you shared that story with me on our road trips, like one, I thought it was kind of interesting that you started playing Pac and you weren't playing like the Lils or the, the Tattoo Face rappers or the Mumbles. And I'm like, man, my man is the youngest in our squad and he's going straight, you know, um, straight for like one of the greatest. And I think your relationship with Tupac is like very familiar to a lot of people. Like I think me growing up with 90s hip hop, I was starting sort of trying to fight the Pac sound. And then it kind of finally engrossed me. And, you know, like the whole East Coast, West Coast thing at the time, you almost had to not like Pac. But um, once you dived into his knowledge and, you know, like behind um, everything else, like 
you're talking about Thug Life Volume 1. Like, I think when I finally became a fan, that was the album for me that turned it around because for one, it only had 10 tracks on it, which mm-hmm. I unfairly was trying to pair it up with like Nas Illmatic only having 10 tracks, right? So like, there you go, like with the whole, like the greatest albums of all time, don't even need more than 10 tracks to say it. But then two, I was secretly trying to like, this is sort of like the Wu-Tang of the West for me. Cause like, since Wu-Tang was my entry point, like Pac used this group as a platform. It wasn't just him. Like everybody had their own flow. Everybody had their own style and their voice and their, and their tenor. So I thought that was like super dope in itself. And then I just wanted to read this, this quote really quick from um, soulandstereo.com. They ranked 10 Tupac albums and Thug Life Volume 1 was four on their list. And they basically said, some of you may have never heard of this album. And Thug Life was a short-lived uh, group compromise of Pac, frequent collaborator Big Psych, the Rated R, um, Macadocious, and Pac's stepbrother Mo, Mo Prime. Pac may be at his rawest on this LP, which features strong production outside of Me Against the World, which is honestly my favorite album, if I'm going to be honest. And then... um. All Eyes on Me. Um, I strongly consider ranking this album above All Eyes on Me, but that album slightly edges this one due to the sonic diversity. But don't sleep. If you haven't heard this one, track it down. It's by far Pac's most underrated effort. So yeah, like I, I, I stepped away from that quote and I was like, yeah, definitely Me Against the World album is definitely the one that I gravitate and that's my favorite. But I feel like, I, say. I feel like Thug Life is objectionably like his masterpiece, like in my eyes. It's forty-two minutes of just, just, just straight. He's chilling. That whole album is like the Thug Life album. You get into Cradle to the Grave. You get into uh, Pour Out a Little Liquor. You know, you get early Nate Dog on that as well. Bass. You got Nate. You got Nate's uh, rat, the raspy voice on that. It's nice, and the producers on that. You know, you know. To me, this album ranks like either one or two. Two Apocalypse. Uh, basically, to me, is is it's that hidden gem because. You got Jam Master J did the production on that album. You got Special Ed did production on uh, Tupacalus. You got uh, you got a lot. You got, you got DJ Bobcat. You got a lot of different DJs that don't sound like Tupac working on that album. You know, like you know, Jam Master J did a lot of work that nobody knew about. You know, it's crazy, but I would say Thug Life. You know, it's the best car music out there. You know, when, you, when you're in the car and you put this on. And it just flows because nobody knew who this was. It'd be like, that's Tupac and a bunch of dudes did an album together. The way they dropped Thug Life was it showed up out of nowhere in 94. It just popped up. Because I remember it dropped, you know, we were looking for um, Me Against the World or all, no, Me Against the World came out right after that, I believe. And um, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's tight the way Pac did it because Me Against the World, Me Against the World, he was locked up when Me Against the World came up. He was in jail. So it sounded it sounded like a Tupac album that was done before, before he went to jail. It had a different sound to it. Yeah, definitely. And that's that's kind of like how you said, you know, um, to Apocalypse Now, like listening to that album was like very political. Mm-hmm. He has a whole different flow. He has like that, like also the political, like kind of like influential, like uh you know, like hip hop ish, like flow, like, you know, the ethical of it, like what's kind of like expected at the time, especially like in the early nineties. Mm-hmm. And 
coming off that like you know like that hip-hop that he's kind of like accustomed to and then with what he's trying to say his message his lyrics and then even his next album like it was just all political and he had like just so many jams he has ice cube on there and like you said mm-hmm. just like the people down there as well but it was just like a whole different like to like the way his like flows were and that's kind of like what stuck out where like that's what like we were talking about jason how like with thug life being that next like in between the next following like individual album and like packed with like the people that he was and just what how he transcended this it was like a whole like like figuring out who i am like like you know like kind of like just like disrupting to like this whole like this is my character this is who i am and then he says it on this album you know I wasn't raised this way, you know, like, you know, like I was made this way. The streets made me this way. Like, you know, I wasn't born this way. I was raised this way, you know, like, and that's kind of what comes about. Like, you know, you kind of like get raised into a certain way with like how you're living up, like what you're seeing, what you're experiencing, like, you know, with like all those things, like this was just transcending into a whole other level, which became the next Tupac version, like his true version. I'm kind of like, just almost kind of like, just not giving like a fuck anymore, like at this point, but he's still mm-hmm. being political. He's still being like who he really was never really losing sight, but in, in a way kind of like figuring all things out because he would want life to be a certain way. But it is not that way, you know, you're kind of like being like shoveled into a, like a whole like grave pit pretty much. And you got to kind of like pull yourself through. You got to like and he like little because we've been talking about this, I guess, all these Instagrams on quotes and things. And he's always talking about it. Like, you know, like I'm not going to lose myself. I'm going to keep faith like good or bad. And like he was always trying to like figure like what's next. And like he was always thinking ahead. Oh, you, you you think about now you got me thinking because when because th- thug life goes into the the me against the world mentality, it's the transition album because you know two apocalypse now it had more east it had an east coast vibe but a west coast feel to it you know when Brandon's got a baby and all other stuff yeah you know like you know Tupac had three different careers I always joke about that it was political ad- activist Tupac it was party Tupac where he's hanging out with Digital Underground and. Uh, Shock G and the rest of them, and you know, you know, you, you know, he had that, he had that party vibe to him. Because remember, I get around was it dropped, and then you had, uh, he did a couple of tracks with Digital Underground, and then he came back out of jail. And it was me against the world, and then we go into the other albums. Basically, I mean, it, you know, all eyes on me. I mean, it was a darker pot. You know, I think that he started off being politically correct, and then he changed. This is the same guy that said, you know, dear mama. Then he turned around and said, F your mama. <laughs> so, so I'm just, I'm, just, I'm trying to like, you know, I'm looking, I'm listening to, I love that creative range. You know, you gotta be able to say, I love my mama, but F your mama. You know, you gotta, you got, you know, that's the Tupac. That's the that's the uh, I always call it the 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 intrigue of Tupac at this point, to be honest, which is very intriguing because it's the most he's the most bipolar rapper of all time. And it's funny you say that because like, like, like you said, like the dark light was a transition and that's kind of like where I mean the transition into like the darker or like who became after kind of like just after like who the different flow that he was before. And like, I remember just like watching this kind of like, there's a documentary of him being like 17 years old, like just this sweet kid, you know, mm-hmm. like from like my mama, you know, like from like, you know, trying to do good. <laughs> I can't even say the B word. And that's kind of like how I grew up. And that's when I started realizing when I started seeing these things at mm-hmm. like as a teenager myself, 
like that's kind of like how I am now in a way because I'm trying to do good you know like I'm a firstborn my mom was 16 when she had me like we're very close like you know like I grew up with like everything that she taught me like you know everything that she's about being a gentleman you know like don't do this don't do that you see what your dad's doing like you know no like I want to treat you good you know like I want to be good to women so that's kind of like the persona that he had and it's funny because there's like this quick clip on like you know like I can't even say the b word and then you got a next clip of him like years later be this be that if you be so you're like you just like you said like just kind of like that whole switch almost like that bipolar where he could like be just spitting at a camera or like just you know just kind of like clashing out and then having a formal interview with someone very <laughs> very formal very knowledgeable like very presentable like you know like like that's just like the Tupac was like he just that's who he really was but then he was just kind of like made and he was lashing to this whole like how you say either bipolar or just lashing to this other character that was being brought out like he was almost like fed up and there was like that darker him yeah it's very it, it's very dark but you know it started in 94 above the rim when he, when he played that character and don't forget juice when he played these characters, I think like you know, you know, they always say life imitates art. I think it like I think he transformed. You know, it started with Juice Bishop. B Bishop when he became Bishop, and everybody was like, because everybody loved that character because you know Bishop was dark man. Bishop Bishop is what Pac turned into prior to death. Before before Bishop, he was a different world. Pac, you know, you know, like a TV show, a different world. He showed up on college campuses chasing Jada Pickett. <laughs> but, but, you know, it was translates to Will Smith having problems today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that was like, you know, that was like you said, like the Tupac, like that artistic, because like he was very artistic. He grew up being artistic and like soft spoken, but like just like straightforward and very knowledgeable at a young age. So like you're very right. Just the way like who he was before. Yeah. You know, the thing I think is interesting is that um, when Thug Life Volume 1 came out, um, I think he gave that acronym thug a meaning. And I think, uh, Dave, you sent me like a, an IG post about this. So I think it's kind of cool that, you know, like fans are still finding a way to keep him relevant to sharing his, you know, his knowledge and sharing his gems. But um, what he turned the thug acronym into, what was it? That the hate you give mm -hmm. little infants fucks everybody, right? So it's kind of yeah. like, it's, it's- A lot of people don't know that, like even mm -hmm. kind of like just- you know, the, the N-word, he was like, never ignorant, getting goals accomplished. Like, you know, that was his mm -hmm. mentality. And he always like fought, like, you know, like what's better than like an educated black man, you know, like that's more powerful. Like he would pride that, like, you know, like get educated, be knowledgeable, like fuel yourself, like you need to feed yourself. And that's something that he like, people don't see that, like in like me against the world, even the genius asks his questions, like, like how is he feeding himself? Like, you know, yeah, he was in jail during that. That time but he was also educating himself educating his mind be, to his mind and th it is what it is with all these visionaries just becoming more powerful with more information that you know so that's kind of like something impactful that Tupac was for me and like people don't realize that that's who he really was trying to like you know explain like within his music outside of like everything that like is happening in the streets and and like just partying and liquor and you know, things like that. But Me Against the World was another album too, but like that Thug Life was just that whole transition and just that beginning of that whole dark and then just like all the lyrics. And like, he would just talk about things that I would see, you know, one of these days I'll learn 
don't fuck with trick ass people because they turn into <laughs> you know like so things like that like you know like and you get to see that sometimes where you feel like you got your friends or they'll back you up like at the times when you need most you know you realize who are your friends who's really there for you and he was explaining that in this album with everything that was going on so well you know you get into the maturity the maturity aspect right now you get into like that time period you know around 96 when you fast forward a little bit toward before death and and the biggie drama and you get into it and they were boys you know, I remember the first time hearing them on a track together. You probably remember that in those days, hearing Biggie and Pac on the track. Yes, and you're like, wow. And they and they complimented each other, and they performed a lot together in different concerts and different venues. But I think what happened, basically, is that ultimately, you know, that success went everybody's head. And I think those two guys grew apart, and they never found each other again. Yeah. And it, it and it changed hip hop, you know, in the process in that situation because Pot definitely changed hip hop. You know, he became the man. You know, just the same guy could talk about hit him up, and then he did toss him up. There was hit him up and toss him up. <laughs> and you think about that, basically. You know, he had a party. You know, he had a lot of party tracks. He went to California. When he went back to California the second time, he was so different. The California love, and we saw Pac in California love. We're like, this dude got that energy. You know, his energy was so different in California Love compared to the other albums. He was he's at the height of his the height of his powers at that point. That's true. That's a that's a good comment. Cause like, you know, like kind of like just personas has a lot to do, like where he was at too, you know, like born in New York, you know, mm -hmm. growing up in Baltimore. And then, like he says, and like where people figure like he was probably born in like L.A. or like in California, it's just like where he kind of like found himself. And like you said, like kind of like found that persona that like with California love and just like that whole like to live and die in L.A., you know, like those kind of songs like that. That was just kind of like to him is like, this is where I found myself, my persona. Like, this is where my identity came. Like, yeah, I love New York. I was, you know, like going back to like going to school in Baltimore, that's where he got his whole artistic side and all, but like, just like that California vibe was like what it was for him. And that kind of like just transitioned, like transcended his music as well. As like, you see like with the later albums, but like with that Thug Life is what like stuck out with like that, that persona. And like people think back, like you like said, the first few albums, like that, that New York like style mm -hmm. until like he found his like, look, hey, this is what I want to do. This is me. And that's when he just took off with, with that character. And, you know, Dave, like even you buying the album on CD, like that just stirs so many memories for me in my mind, <laughs> you know, at your age, still being able to buy it at that time when you did. Like, I would imagine all the finger pointing critics looking at that album cover, seeing the word thug on it and just like ignorantly thinking, all right, well, here we go. Just some ignorant bullshit. Mm -hmm. Right. And then even just like Pac being tatted up with Thug Life, too. Right. But then just mm -hmm. him turning that word into an acronym is just like uh, a metaphor of just how he always lived, right? It's like, don't just look at that, like look beneath the surface and actually understand what I'm trying to shoot, like what I'm trying to broadcast to you and what I'm trying to actually tell you. It's not just about what you see on the surface, right? Yeah, it's about what like, you know, like you don't see that these kids are going through, what these kids are seeing, like, you know, like they're like, you know, being left out, like where like you feel like you can't grow or get out of like, you know, whatever you're going through. So like, kind of like this was all on like where, like, no, with this acronym, like, this is what y'all doing and this is what's going on. But then kind of like turning it into like this whole like outspoken because every 
every song in that like you know comes like like you said Birmingham G like one of my favorite ones to be honest is like uh, Under Pressure Under Pressure it's like one of like one of my favorite ones that I could like relate to the most because even like in towards like where he talks takes off on his second verse you know Running Wild I never smiled as a juvenile even now I get a frown when I come around you know like just like the way he took off at the end like like that's a sick flow like that's just him going off like you know like and yeah later on he becomes like poetic and stuff like that the way he kind of like does his music but with that one he was just like straight flowing like that was just right like kind of just going with it and taking off and then with those beats like it was just like like you could relate to that a lot on what he was trying to say on the message he was like sending with that i love that you referenced that track because yeah honestly every track on their bangs everything slaps in my opinion, like obviously the um, the singles that everyone knows that, you know, Novak was just talking about earlier are the ones that are most prominent. And I, I sometimes forget that Pac can flow, like even like on All Eyes On Me when he was rapping with Method Man, like he can spit with the best of them. But yes. in my in my mind, I always think about when he, he codes with the cadence. So I'm going to spit this little bit from Poor to lick, Little Liquor. Y'all know what I'm talking about. We basically like, but since a bitch can't be trusted, host snitch to the police. So, I mean, it's like, <laughs> you always think about that, like that Pac, like, um, accent whenever he wants to, like. Yeah, drop. now homie's busted, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. kinda, and then, like, a storytelling, too. But, like, yeah, like, you yeah. said, it's, like, flowing. And, like, we we did bring up that all, like, that track. Like, look, like, this is, like, that, that like, that whole, like, he could, like, reference and, like, these metaphors. Like, he could go with it, but he's just finding himself and this is who he is. But, like, when it comes to, like, that hip vibe like he could throw down he could definitely pull his mm-hmm. little like and like you mentioned like with with baby they were supposed to work on an album was that song you were talking about running from the police that mm-hmm. they created together like mm-hmm. they both went off it was just like like they were probably like we like yo like let's make an album like that who, who would have known how that would have came up but that song like you know i know later on they made a new track of it but i remember mm-hmm. listening to the original like they just both went well together with their different personas and their different flows like they were like free style like and like too bad with freestyle and he'll get very creative like so like people don't realize how like he had a flow himself as well he wasn't just like poetically like just trying to like you know with rhymes because that's what he really was as well you know because like whenever he was writing whenever you would or whenever he would express it like you know it was like in that poetic like feel like where like you know he's feeling his music well, you know, he's filmed the music and then, you know, you think about the, the, his his cadence and his delivery changes yep. based on who he rapping with. Now, you think about, like, he rapped with uh, Digital Underground. He had, like, this uh, this really slick, laid-back flow. We didn't get the two... We didn't get the... I call it the, the Martin Luther Kingism when Pac <laughs> made that voice. So running from the police. It's like, you look, you think, you look around, like, you think it's like a, it's a Baptist minister and it just took the mic. <laughs> So Pac could change. Pac projects his voice behind you, and I remember the first time we're in the, you know, we're in the dorm back in college, Jason, and we were listening to something, and he drank that sound, and I looked around the room like, is he in the room with us? It's like, <laughs> you know, Dave Chappelle makes fun of it, like you know, you at a party and you hear you hear Tupac say something on the radio, a shot of man four times last week, and we're on CNN. You're like, did that happen last week? Tupac been gone <laughs> for five years, but you know. His, uh, you know, his style, like uh, the track music get me the most with Pac when we were in college was Violent. Violent off Tupac list now. That track, you know, if you ever listen to the lyrics of that track, he's talking about police brutality, 
you know, on the first album out, the first the first album was like a message to like, you know, America, this is what I won't tolerate. And, you know, and then he softened up a little bit. Then he went party. Then he went dark again. Then he went making fun of people. When Pac, you know, Pac is at his best, when he's when he's got somebody that's, you know, when he challenges somebody or somebody says something about him he doesn't like, he's the best, you know, I don't want to say battle rapper. He's the best response rapper of all time. You don't want to start that because he, he he's going to keep writing until he gets it right. <laughs> that's true. That's true. And like, just like straightforward. You're right. You're right. Cause like with this political with like violent and like what I would do back, how I would retaliate. It's kind of like, like to, uh, the message to America was like, okay, like this is what he's telling, you know, kids to do. Like, you know, he's telling to do this to the cops, you know, to shoot the, you know, but like, like, no, like, but like, you know, this is what happens when people are fed up, you know, like that Malcolm X, you know, like where like people get tired, you know, they want to retaliate like, and like, this is what's only creating in our minds because I'm tired of it, you know, like, and like, we're not going to tolerate it. Like you said, and that's what he was like more about within like those two albums. Like that's exactly what he was expressing Mm -hmm. with that kind of like, you know, like violence against like, like the police or like whatever, like, you know, even sometimes even the government, because like that's what like he would say the cops are the biggest gang like in, in America. So um Novak, you were dropping some of the the lead tracks off of Thug Life volume one, and then you did mention Nate Dog. Like I feel like whenever I'm listening to hip hop jams and I'm trying to like sing like the best of them, I feel like I try to channel either John Legend or Nate Dog. And it's like <laughs> Nate Dog's voice. It's just so iconic and he's like another one that's like what if he was still around what what awesome dope tracks would be still happening it's like it's kind of awesome that he was on this album at all and i forgot that even warren g produced one of the beats on this album too so it's kind of like a nice moment in in rap that kind of shows you know like like you were calling it a turning point like it definitely was like a turning point for a lot of artists and not just tupac i mean it's um it, 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 you know with you're right with with Thug Life, you know, with Nate Dog, and Nate Dog established stuff as the voice of the, the voice of you know South Central at that point, the voice of you know the West. He's the West's whole. He's 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 the singer for the West. I mean, Danny Boy tried to do that, you know, as you know, as he came onto the death row scene or whatever. But Danny Boy is from Chicago, so that was more of a Midwest slang compared to somebody riding around in the six four, you know, looking out the window, singing, you know, looking at palm trees. I mean, you know, Nate is Nate was the West Coast. You think about that. You know, you put Pac with him, the storytelling went to a different level because now he's singing about it as Pac's rapping about it. So they created a whole, the, the whole visual got, you know, 720 at that point, not a 360. It wrapped around that track and made it even better. You think about the show soundtrack. You remember the show soundtrack? You know, you think about, you know, that whole style of show soundtrack is very Pac-like when it opens up on the show. Think about it. You know, the, you know, you had the duck, you know, you had everything on there. You had Warren G. You no, know, we forgot about Warren G. So Warren G also is a lot, got a lot of history with Pac as well, producer-wise. Mm-hmm. He had Warren G find his voice. You know, you think about uh regulators. Regulators to me, no matter what you say about it, I was just waiting for Pac to pop up on regulators back in the day. I was like, man, you imagine Pac showing up at the hotel and finishing the verse. Because it had that St. Eyes vibe to it. You remember the St. Eyes commercial with Pac? The Regulators has that vibe, man. You know, that Pac had the greatest commercial for malt liquor ever. 
Bro, you know what's kind of hilarious about, so when you bring up Warren G, at that time, I had that CD. Mm-hmm. And I remember how how much I love that album. Like the album CD cover was like crystal clear and you saw like mm-hmm. the Warren G album, um, kind of like the palm trees in, in the CD cover. But anyhow, like that album had nonstop replays from me at that time. Like I must have heard like hundreds of times. No Pac guest appearance on it, but like it's kind of hilarious. Like now, as much as I love that album at the time, I don't consider Warren G like an amazing lyricist by any stretch of the imagination. When I when I went and revisited that album pack, I was like, man, like he's repeating a lot of the same words. So he's not coming with the bars. So it's still fun, but like Pac is just like that, that, you know, that that timeless like like um rap, like, you know, God in a lot of ways. It's just, it's just kind of like it's a complicated relationship, but once you understand it and what it means to you, like you definitely have to kind of like spread the word about him. No, nah, you're right about that. I mean, um, you know, yeah, that 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 regulate, you know, that album, that that uh, that Warren G album, it was missing something. It was missing the lyrics. It's, you know, the 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 beats and the production are outstanding. You know, you think about, uh, you know, you know, you know, you know, the DJ track is is ridiculous. Uh, you listen to it in the car. I mean, and that album, that Warren G album, transitions into the show album. That same vibe carried to the show. And so, you know, Warren was on top of the universe for like five minutes, you know, and then, you know, once the five minutes ran out, we went back to Pac, you know, for a minute here, basically, before, you know, uh, you know things, were, things were developing over time. Yeah, you know, and um, Dave, I'm not sure if you ever heard the show soundtrack, but I love that Novak is bringing this up because he's brought this up on previous episodes before of our podcast. And the show movie you know, it was like a live performance documentary of sorts, but it's interesting because it's like, it's a nineties album that has the greats doing it, but the album is a showcase of both East and West coast rap, right? It's like at that time you're supposed to like love one or the other, but it was kind of cool when you had these moments where it was okay to love both. And like, there's a lot of great songs on that album that's from both like East and West coast. Yeah. Pox on the album, you know, don't forget Pox on the show is my block you know, yep. on the show. Yeah. You know, we had just Bone Thugs and Harmony on that on the show too, and you know they had a track with Pac. You know, oh man, you know that collaboration was just the first time I heard it. I was like, I was driving somewhere. I was like, <laughs> the I was gunshots. The gunshots. I'm like, you know, I'm in the city driving around, <laughs> and you know, and Pac's creating like that gothic like vibe, like talking about you know to be born in pain, and you he's looking around just like, man, is he is he going through it? Because you know he had passed away. And I'm like, oh my God, that's the hardest Tupac verse ever. The way he opens up with Bone Man, he, he destroyed them. They had no, they all they could do is harmonize at that point. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, they could you can't top that. I mean, Biggie did the same thing to them. You know, you think Absolutely. about, you know, Bone Bone had to just stand back and just turn into a barber a barbershop quartet after that. Both two times. The two greats blessed them two times. And those two were the ones to do it. Like, and that's kind of like something we were talking about, how like, like even uh the what, you know, Biggie with uh Method Man and then the oh. one and, like they like that went that the what like and Method Man and Biggie, like that collab, and then like someone else to do it. We were just talking about like Tupac with Method Man when he actually showed his like hip hop like flow style mm-hmm. that he could do it too. And then like they both did it with uh with Bone Thugs and Harmony. 
like you know and then like you said like they, both, both times like just like pulled it off like Tupac well, like when I first heard that song like you said you know with the gunshots and everything and just feeling it and just like the anger and then like mm -hmm. just it went off you know like just on this flow like he just kind of like killed it and Biggie did the same thing you know how Biggie could like also like have that freestyle style especially with that beat yo speaking yeah. of the what I think I, I'm looking this up but I thought Easy Mo B produced that. And to tie it back to Thug Life, there was an Easy Mo B beat on the Thug Life Volume 1 album, right? So it's kind of like ironic, like Novak was talking about, you know, Pac using a lot of the East Coast sound for prior albums, but sort of like adopting the West Coast, you know, mindset and mentality moving forward from Thug Life, you know? So it's, it's, I don't know, it's very interesting that he's still dipping into the East Coast well, even though he's, you know, fully immersed himself into the, the West Coast life. West Coast, baby. <laughs> you talk Easy Mo B, now think about that. He's bad boy. Easy Mo B was bad boy for a while. You know, you think, you know, you know about the beef and everything like that, the studio, the robbery and everything like that. You know, and, they, and he thought Big set him up in the studio and Easy Mo B was doing most of the work for him at that point in time. I mean, it's, uh, man, you know, you, you really opened up some really interesting uh, conversation pieces right now because Easy Mo B, man, was straight balling. It's a West Coast track with an East Coast producer. He had, he, he was more West Coast than he was East Coast at that point. And that track, that track is so fluid. You know, the imagery, he's riding around, you know, he's, you know, he's F the police. He's doing, you know, he's doing every Pac thing. That was the beginning That's of the Pac. That's a cruise song. Mm -hmm. to it and feel it. It is, man. It's, it's, it's probably one of the greatest, man, that, that track, that's a, that's a hard five minutes. You know, uh, it's smooth. <laughs> the whole time, just like, like, you know, just going back to like the beat itself, you know, like mm -hmm. that's definitely a, five minute pack song. Like it's just all throughout, like from start to finish. Yeah, you think about that and then you think about, you know, straight balling and then you think about parties and bullshit with big, that's easy mode B track. The, the, that flow continues, you know, cause you can tell, I think a lot of that conversation between Pac and big was generated cause they touched the same, they touched the same producers. You think about it. You know, Easy Mo B did a lot of work for those guys. So they had to be in the studio a lot around each other at the same time. You know, and Puff probably saw it and felt it and said, we need to lock Easy Mo B down. No more hanging out with Death Row. <laughs> so, you know, but that sound is just timeless, man. Timeless. I mean, he, he definitely needs to get, Easy Mo B definitely needs to get his flowers. I, I, that's one guy we don't really give no respect to a production level, but he's definitely earned his flowers. No, yeah, I, I totally respect um, Easy Moby. Yeah, he definitely is like an unsung hero for production. And he also did, I mean, he did like countless tracks, but um, if, uh, didn't he do Flavor in Your Ear for the, the Craig Mack song, right? That remix. Right. Yeah, you know, he, you know it's ridiculous. Don't, and don't forget how they brought Buster into that track. I would, I, you know, I always, wanted a, I always wanted a Pac and Buster song. You imagine that energy? <laughs> Yeah, as weird as it sounds, like Pac would find a way to make it work. Obviously, Busta too. But it's like, I saw this one live performance uh, years ago. It must have been sort of like an unplugged MTV or VH1 thing. And it was of Pac. And 
I forget. It was like very stripped down. It might have literally been either just a piano or a guitar or or just one instrument. But somehow Pac made it work. There was like candles in the background. It was very dimly lit. I'm like, this sounds very cringeworthy. How would Pac even like make this performance work? But he always shines. Like he always figured out a way to make it work. Like whether it became to the acting, you know, to the activism and obviously the music, you know. Yeah, even upbeat. Like, if you give him, like, an upbeat, like, he'll definitely give a flow that could kind of, like, just keep going and then just, like, rhyme with it. Because, like, he was just about that. Like, he could write. So, like, he could rhyme. Like, you know, like, and then he would kind of, like, just throw a flow that, like, and that's kind of, like, how, like, it felt a little bit with, like, under pressure. And then I like, just kind of, like, he could definitely, like, upbeat and then just kind of, like, throw a flow with, like, just consistently and, like, keep up with the best of them. Like, he finds a way. Cause like to him, it's like, he would always even say like, throw me a beat, give me a beat. He would just think of kind of like, just like what he wanted to talk about. Think about the name of the song. Okay. That's going to be the name of the song, you know, like, and then just throw down and then just get creative. Like that's the mind that he had. Like when it was just a beat sometimes, like he would, once he felt it, it was over, you know, like he would just kind of like, just find a way to like make it happen. Well, I mean, there's this one time though, I questioned what the hell I was listening to. That what's your phone number? track off of all that so i mean you know <laughs> that song the first that's the only song i cringed a little bit at, off of all eyes on me because you know when you went through i ain't mad at you and all the rest of those tracks and then once your phone number comes on you're thinking like okay um Pac, you know why did this make the album because he was on the road man ambition is a writer man he opens up all eyes on me just on fire and then, you know, all about you, he took the fire out a little bit, let it sizzle a little bit. And then, you know, he came back and got my mind made that, that, you know, that Method Man track with corrupting everybody. That beat is a sick 360. It's almost like, it's like, you, it's like they're ciphering um, those days at that point. They're standing around, you know, they're around, I imagine them around like a burning, a burning garbage can just rapping and telling stories, man. That's what I wish that, I wish I got my mind made up at a video. That video would have been an open cipher, but just it just artists spitting pretty much. That'd have been amazing. I, I love that you referenced the all, all Eyes on Me um tracks because like it was a double CD, right? So it was at the time. If you didn't come out with a double CD, whether every track was banging or not, like you you still had to do it. It was like <laughs> it was like a, a hip hop toll road. You better pay it, you better do it. Um yeah, Dave, I think we're sort of running short on time with you, but um, did, did you have any other like sort of final thoughts on the Pac legacy or, you know, your, your favorite Pac memories and, you know, just anything in general? Yeah, I mean, like talking about like all eyes on me, like just like listening to it more, like Can't See Me was one that stood out for me. It was a banger, like, like, like that album in general, like you said, just like he could like go from like one beat to another and kind of like find it, find a way to do it. And that's another album that stands out, Me Against the World is another one. But like with Thug Life, kind of like just was just like, kind of like to me that whole like change of him and just the whole 10 album, like the 10 songs. It was just something that stood out to me. And like he continues to like send a message in this, in this, uh, to this day. Like, for example, something that we talked about, like back in September, I was out in, in uh, like Naples and I took a train out to Pompeii. I was going to go see the ruins and like out of nowhere, like I had to like double look like here, here is like a, a young kid from Pompeii wearing a Tupac shirt, 
like just like you know like like repping like like if he just if he's listening to his album right now got his airpods on i'm like no way and then kind of like just zooming in like taking a, a picture of that like just like the way like tupac till this day is being influential like the realist to me like one of the realists like whether like like a lot of it was more so of like trying to like relate on what people go through and like what is going on. Like he's still like sending a message to this day, like the most influential that I know, impactful. Like for a while, like I wasn't listening to him as much. And then lately just kind of like recollecting and everything coming back. Like it just reminded me of how like why like Tupac is one of the realists and he said it and he would say continuously like I'm not gonna I'm you know not gonna I'm not gonna stop until I die like like and he definitely like did like change into a whole dark darker persona that like led up to like his death pretty much or maybe he's still alive who knows because with all now <laughs> but he was kind of like a uh like a studio fiend like that's all he did like he could just like smoke a blunt like have some hennessy and just be in the studio all day like just writing and just making music so that's without a doubt for sure like that was his ambition at the same time and one of you guys mentioned like how he pretty much had like three different careers going on to be able to manage through that like at a young age and like be also in the industry of like making like you know movies and stuff and he was becoming better and better on that like as you see him like progress even in like his acting skills, like he was just doing it. He was doing a lot and like at a very young age and there's a lot to do. And that's something that he's like, he died pretty much just trying to do and give the best persona. He sent out so much like by 25 or so, like 11 albums or so, like that's very, very impressive. And for him to like still be to this day influential all around the world and Pompeii out in like Italy, you know, like this kid, like, who would have thought you know like it's just very very like fascinating to see for sure yeah i i i love all those vibes and feels and yes like the the, the graphic tees of Pac will never die the the tiktok ig stories the uh the machiavelli albums you must be on machiavelli album number 100 <laughs> at this point i i lost track i mean like i i unfairly always try to like frame hip-hop and like what's the best album that you can produce right because i look at it like a tapestry or project so like like me against the world i admit it was my favorite album and i think it was a it was a chance for Pac to like stop being too extra stop stop with his do this demeanor his straight bowling you know what i'm saying so it's like he like like novak said he was locked up machiavelli one i think that's arguably um an awesome album from the back but like who knows what was done while he was still alive who knows if he even had a hand of it to even craft that album and then like yeah finally like again thug life volume one like i i definitely like challenge you to listen to this album from the back and not be like amazed like even everybody that's featured on the album, if it, it gives Pac a chance to not be too extra because he's letting his other cat shine on the crew. You know what I'm saying? Like there's even like a passing of one of the crew members that they kind of like talk about a lot, Cato. And I feel like he's kind of like the the um memory the the thug life, like um how long will they mourn me? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. he's the member that's not there, you know what I mean? So it's kind of like it's it's a nice, it's a nice time in rap history, I think. And that's that Nate thought too. I wish it would have been another. You feel that song? <laughs> how long will they more? You know, like just mm -hmm. it goes with it. And that's kind of like how you said, like, is that like that Tupac and the like members and then Nate Dog, where like he could like blend in, like, and then sing like on that song and it still be a, a hit. Like it's fat, like it's definitely memorable. 
100 percent nobody did you want to close us out yeah definitely um yeah, it's for Dave, man. Definitely thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, Tupac, man, changed hip hop forever. You know, it's always sad sometimes to listen to the music, but you yes. you get into it and you go, man, what could it have been like? You know, what if you got that Biggie and Pac album? What if you got a, a Nas and Pac moment trading bars? Because remember, me and my girlfriend came from I Gave You Power. So and that's the crazy thing about it, you know, and, you know, and me and my girlfriend, I first heard it. I'm like, I, I know where this came from because, you know, Nas and him, basically, they had an un, unbeknownst like, rivalry, which I think it should have stayed a rivalry, but it, it turned to something else. But yeah, just want to thank you for coming on the show. Awesome experience, Dave. You know, appreciate your thoughts on this. You know, definitely. Yeah, I want to do a comparison show with you where we bring Mickey into this comparison and really close out the the world of why they need each other in order to be successful in this universe. Like these guys, ships basically definitely, you know, hitched each other. No matter how much they didn't like each other, then they, they both need each other to be great at this point. You know, just want to say thank you for coming on. Uh, Tupac, great, one of the greatest of all time. You know, you can... You can pretty much, you know, as you know, Jay, you can check us out if any network podcasts are available. And yeah, we want to thank everybody for listening this afternoon today. <laughs> and uh, definitely go out there and listen to Thug Life. Let us know what you think. Definitely. Funniest whenever folks go off the script Like revealing your passion is a flaw to kick Some out here only wanna watch the clock go tick Underestimate the drive when you got the itch And yo, I'm straight professing, but I'm not a snitch It's in my job description to be positive Even after you thought I gave my all to this I haven't even reached my final countenance Charging like Goku, but I stay committed to the vocal Now I'm a kitten, I can't even go hard on Sudoku And no, I won't define cognitive dissonance I also won't disrespect you just because you're different I was born into a diverse predicament Found my niche but spent too much energy fitting in It took a lot of time being alone To find the strength to be alone and just keep singing my song Just wait until some harmony comes ringing along Mute the sour notes and keep it quiet singing the song And then you find the deeper meaning of love, the melody Then you find the deeper meaning of love, it's heavenly Find the deeper meaning of love, the melody Then you find the deeper meaning of love, it's heavenly